Hi, and thank you for listening to Ask the Pastor, a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. I'm your host, Allie Keaton, and I can't wait to dive into our question this week. This week's question comes from Whitney, and she says, Hey, Will, I want to know, how can you be a Christian and defend Trump? Thank you for that question, Whitney. And I know this is a question I've heard a number of our Westillians uh, express over the past four years. I also know that we have many uh, Donald Trump supporters in our congregation, so I want to be clear from the start what I do not intend to do here. I'm not going to try and tell you who you should vote for. That is between you and the Lord and the Electoral College. Uh, I'm also not going to tell you who I voted for in the last election. I feel very strongly about that. A pastor is first and foremost, a minister of the gospel, not uh, any particular political party. And at West Hills, we are pro-Jesus. That's it. Um, I think our faith should play a huge role in determining our politics, who we vote for, what kinds of policies we defend. But at the end of the day, I know for a fact that we have card-carrying Republicans and card-carrying Democrats and everything in between at West Hills. And personally, I wouldn't have it any other way. And so, If you're pro-Jesus, you're welcome at West Hills, and actually, even if you're not pro-Jesus, you're welcome to here, too. Uh, That's really exciting. We're just going to try and convince you to change your mind on that one. So, Now, for all those reasons, I debated whether or not to even tackle this question, uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's just too important. Even if it's a sensitive one, it's it's too important a question not to answer, and so um, especially with the next election cycle starting to heat up, it, it feels like a timely question right now. So before I can answer, uh, I think we need to agree on the exact nature of the question that Whitney's asking itself. So we make sure we're answering the same question. I can interpret Whitney's question in at least three different ways. So first, what does she mean by defend Trump? If she means to defend him as a person. Um, Personally, I really don't have any interest in answering that question. I think the Bible makes it really clear in James 4.12, Romans 14, Matthew 7, uh, that we have but one judge, the Lord himself, before whom we must all one day give an account for every deed done in the body. So I have absolutely no interest in trying to defend Donald Trump as a person. He can do that for himself before the Lord one day. Um, If he's a believer, he can plead the blood of Christ and let Jesus defend him on Jesus's merit. Um, Because no doubt Donald Trump, like every single one of us, has done some pretty horrible things in his life. And as a person, like all of us who have sinned and gone astray, Romans 3.23, Isaiah 53.6, we're all people who are totally depraved and morally indefensible before a holy, perfect God. He is a sinner in need of grace. So then instead, I'm going to assume that Whitney means either a second possible interpretation of her question, how can you defend Trump's policies, or perhaps even a related but slightly different and third possible understanding, how can you claim to be a Christian and defend your decision to vote for Trump? And even those two, I think, are slightly different. On the one hand, I'm not sure I know anyone, Christian or non-Christian, who would or does support every single one of Donald Trump's policies or Barack Obama's or anyone else's. They're just too many. None of us agrees with anyone else on every single issue. And so for me, the best interpretation of Whitney's question that makes the most sense and makes for the best question, I think, is the last one. How can a Christian defend his or her vote for Donald Trump? 
And again, uh, without getting personal here, uh, let's just assume, hypothetically, this is a staunchly anti-Trump wife coming into my office at, at the church, distraught over finding out that her husband has voted for Donald Trump. Um, and she's asking how she can possibly forgive him and stay married to him. Now, my vested interest in that situation as their pastor would be in their marriage. To me, it's clear enough in Scripture that this is not even close to an issue, you know, who you vote for, uh, of something that that would merit you being separated or divorced over. So I'm going to try and help her understand where he may be coming from in order to be reconciled back to him. Um, And I think this is what I would say. I would give her three reasons that I think uh, are possible that her husband might have voted for Trump as a faithful Christian. So the first reason I'll call the lesser of two evils reason, also known as the reality of living in a fallen world uh, rationale, if we as Christians waited for every uh, waited for a perfect candidate to cast our vote, or even someone who we agreed with on every single issue, it's likely we'd never vote at all. So, uh, with any election, in in order to perform our civic duty, and I want to be clear too, I don't see any uh, religious duty, any biblical mandate that says we have to vote either. Um, as an American who votes. Uh, in pretty much every election and who who views the democratic form of government as not at odds with scripture and who appreciates the country we live in and views it as a privilege to vote, um, a right, a responsibility, a a freedom that we enjoy in this country not to be taken lightly. I think we're afforded the opportunity to let our voices and our Christian worldviews be heard at least every four years. Um, I say all that, but then I, I say uh, in any election, um, I'm not sure how else we should think of it other than that we are necessarily choosing between the lesser of two sinful, broken, fallible human candidates. Now, because, because Scripture itself doesn't mandate that we vote at all, it's possible, I think, for a Christian in good conscience to decide that both options, or all options, I mean, let's pretend for a moment that we don't live in a country with an unfortunate two-party system where we're forced into one of two narrow boxes. Um, I think I, you know, if you decided all options, uh, there could be 20 candidates. And if you could not in good conscience check the box beside any one of those candidates, I think it's a totally viable option for a Christian to decide um, that that all candidates are so evil that I, I must abstain from voting altogether. Um, I think that's an option on the table, and I know faithful Christians who did not vote in 2016, and I'll go one step further and say that I won't tell you not only who I voted for, but even if I voted in the last election, because I think personally that of all elections where it would have been a perfectly valid Christian response um, to the candidates we we were presented with in 2016, um, that would have been a, a, a viable option in 2016 to abstain. But I think I would also want to help his wife who is lamenting her husband's vote for Trump, I'd want her to see the real dilemma that he found himself in here. Um, And Allie, you know, we could do a whole nother podcast episode on how any Christian could have voted for Hillary in 2016. Um, So I think the lesser of two evils uh, reason is a pretty compelling one for me. The second reason he may have voted for Trump, I'll call the small government defense. And here's what I mean by that. I think one of the questions we need to ask ourselves as believers is is for sure 
you know, what should my stance on this particular issue be based on my understanding of God's word? But a secondary and important question is based on my view of the role of government, and we might add the effectiveness or the competency of the government, how does my ideological stance affect the practical policies I support and how those policies get enforced? So let me just give you a benign example um, as an excuse more than anything to take a jab at Eli Sandhouse because, you know, I never miss a chance to do that. I can be pro Mail, M-A-I-L, snail mail, in principle, right? I can be in favor of Americans having the ability to send one another letters in the mail. That doesn't necessarily mean I would have voted to establish the U.S. Postal Service. I mean, if my view of government is that it primarily exists to protect us from threats at home and abroad, I may well be in favor of restricting the scope of government to just the military and firemen and policewomen. Um, I, I might think that mail delivery and education and health care and any number of other areas of life are best left to the private sector and the government should stay out. Um, to take a less benign example, as a Christian, I think you can be pro-health care. You can be in favor of people having access to medical treatment but not support the Affordable Care Act. And you may even find plenty of evidence down at the DMV or the online healthcare exchange or the post office or wherever for just how messy and bureaucratic and slow and ineffective the government is at most enterprises. So I would want to encourage um, this anti-Trump wife to give her husband some grace because perhaps his personal political philosophy is such that he is just ideologically um, committed to voting for the candidate most in favor of small government. And to me, that's a political conviction, not a religious one. Maybe your husband actually believes all the same things on all the same issues as you, but where you differ is just that you think the government's job is to legislate and oversee those things while your husband wants the government to get out of the way. Um, and our third and, and, and final and perhaps most controversial uh, reason um, to that perhaps he voted pro-Trump um, is that maybe her husband is simply a one-issue voter um, on the abortion issue. And uh, I think personally that's a, a viable um, option in any election as well. Um, if Mother Teresa was running on one ticket but she was pro-choice and Judas Iscariot was running for the other party but he was pro-life, perhaps um, this particular Christian in his conscience would vote for Judas every single time because he believes Psalm 139 that human life begins at conception. He believes Genesis 1 that a person's value and worth is derived not from how old or mature or intelligent or productive to society or anything else that they are, but simply and intrinsically from being created in the image of God. And therefore, if he believes that abortion amounts to the systematic genocide of approximately a million humans every year in this country, I would say that that could be reason enough for some Christians, for many Christians, to say, you know what, healthcare is important, the environment is important, safe, fair immigration is important, there are lots of important issues in an election, but you stack all of those up against this one issue of whether or not as a society we are going to continue to condone the slaughter of millions of babies and I'm not going to apologize for being a one-issue voter. I think that's a perfectly viable option uh, for a, a opinion for a Christian to, to hold. And let me also be clear, I think there are other Christians out there who are not one-issue voters, that they would see these other issues as just too important not to at least factor them into their voting. Um, 
And I think that as believers, we have to make room for, for both of those, those Christians in, in our churches, you know, that, that the Holy Spirit is going to convict one another's consciences in different ways on that, whether or not we're going to a one-issue voter. There are lots of important issues. But as believers, I think we have to at least understand how someone could bring himself to vote for Judas or Trump or the most vile, disgusting person on the planet, whoever you think that is, if that person was the pro-life candidate. So... I expect I may receive some emails back in response to this question, this this podcast episode. I hope so. I always love and appreciate y'all's feedback, even if uh, you disagree with me. Sometimes, especially if you disagree with me, it forces me to be a better thinker and a better pastor. Um, the last word that I'll say on this topic is just to remind all of us, regardless of whomever you voted for, that Scripture does clearly call us to be subject be subject to the governing authorities over us, Romans 13.1. So like it or not, whether you voted for him or not, Donald Trump is your president. Um, unless, of course, you're listening to this podcast outside the United States, in, with, in which case you have to let us know that our podcast has gone international. Uh, but otherwise, uh, President Trump deserves at least our civil obedience and our prayer. First Timothy 2.2 says, pray uh, for, for everyone, but especially people in, in high positions of, of leadership and authority. And so I think that's hopefully a nice, non-controversial place to end that we can all agree on. Thank you, Pastor Will. Thank you for answering that question in a way that didn't go around in circles and for not shying away from a question that really is relevant to us in America today. Yet again, you've given us a lot to think about and reflect on, and I hope our listeners will do just that. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't yet. And thanks for listening.